Say it out loud, uh, say Africa, and that's Mzansi Youth Choir, and this is I'm an African feature where we look at uh, uh, news in and around uh, our, our continent, so throughout Africa, just looking at uh, um, positive things that are happening and uh, also shine the spotlight on things that concern us. Uh, now, in Addis Ababa, former United Nations General Secretary uh, Kofi Annan, uh, slammed African leaders who cling to power after the terms of office has ended, saying that uh, they invite unnecessary coup. And it's very difficult for African people to then, um, you know, exercise coups knowing that you, we, we respect elders. And it does really um, make for an uncomfortable uh, situation. Africa's five longest presidencies, um, cumulatively 169 years you. And uh, joining us to help us just uh, uh, answer this question, African leaders who cling to power invite unnecessary coups. Uh, what is it that needs to happen for Africa to actually recognize that Africa is young? Majority of African people are young. Does this not necessarily move us away from addressing the current ills as, as they uh, happen? Uh, we joined on the line by Dr. Shingai uh, Motezwa. Mangizwa, who's a politi- uh, political scientist at the University of Western Cape's Political Studies Department. Good afternoon, Doctor, and welcome. Good afternoon, Chriselda, and uh, thank you. I mean, I, I can't even ask if there's truth in what, um, you know, Kofi uh, Annan says, because it is fact that Africa has uh, oldest leaders, and yet Africa is young. That is correct, Chrysalda. It is, in fact, a rather ironic situation that we, Africa has one of the youngest populations, and yet it is simultaneously characterized by having you know, the oldest uh, leaders. Um, if you can remember, just a few months ago, we saw very dramatic scenes uh, on the streets of Harare, you know, mm-hmm. following the resignation of... Uh, Robert Mugabe, and what we witnessed was young people mm. in the streets, you know, uh, celebrating, you know, um, really uh, expressing their voices, you know, and trying to actually make their presence felt and known. So I wouldn't say that it is far-fetched. I would say that, that is, uh, it is a correct statement. And um, we see uh, instances of this, uh, you know, across other countries, you know, on the continent, um, uh, a few years ago, Senegal had a similar situation when um, former President Abdoulaye Wade, again on account of his advanced age, was also uh, forced to renounce his candidacy mm-hmm. uh, as a lot, a lot of young people um, protested his advanced age. So it is, it is, not, um, it is actually uh, a true statement that uh, there seems to be this um, anachronism between uh, old leaders and a young population that simply doesn't um, go well. And I'm sure, I mean, you've um, already alluded to this, that uh, they become out of touch with reality and, and, and social uh, ills that are currently happening in, in our continent. Yes, 
Um, there is the, the, this notion that, um, because when we look at the main uh, issues affecting uh, the continent today, one of the biggest issues that uh, the continent is facing is the issue of poverty and unemployment. Mm. Uh, we only have to look to what has been happening in North Africa, particularly with the issue of the immigration. Uh, we have seen, you know, time and time again, uh, through the media, uh, boatloads of young people from various countries across West Africa really trying to, you know, make it across to Europe to try and eke out a better life. So a lot of the challenges uh, that I, you know, that we, the continent is experiencing, you know, I mean, as I said, be it poverty, be it, um, again, to do with uh, unemployment, uh, be it crime, uh, mm-hmm. hunger, those largely affected uh, are members of this particular demographic. And by the youth who are talking about, you know, uh, those from 35 uh, down. Mm -hmm. Do we have an example of uh, the most competitive? Um, Because as much as, uh, I mean, the spotlight is on Africa, we also have an equally aging queen in the UK. Yes, that is true. Um, in fact, I think when, when we take into consideration, uh, you know, the position of the Queen, I think we must also not forget that the Queen is largely a ceremonial figure. Mm. She does not exercise executive power, so to speak. And um, the executive power lies with the Prime Minister. Now, a few months ago, actually I'd say about a year and a half ago, uh, Britain had one of its youngest uh, prime ministers in the form of David Cameron. Mm. So, again, for, you know, for those who would um, push forward that argument that, you know, because the Queen, you know, is uh, again, um, you know, having turned, I think, is it 92, I think, two days ago, that yeah. she's still, you know, uh, reigning. Um, I think people would, uh, you know, it would be a misnomer. People, I think, would be, would be, would do themselves a favor if they were to actually established that she's actually not um, uh, running uh, the United Kingdom on a day-to-day basis. She's a ceremonial figurehead. And so I think um, that, you know, that, that scenario, again, that speaks for itself pretty much. And what needs to then happen um, that as, as Africa, because in some of these countries, um, these leaders are democratically elected. And that would suggest that, uh, you know, it's people who say we still believe in so-and-so, whether uh, it's justified or not. Uh, Let's continue with this conversation right after this. Fun and positive conversations. Call Criselda now. 0891-104-207. Yeah, fun and positive conversations. That's what we are about as we ease you through your lunchtime. And uh, this is Lifetime Live with Chrysalta Dudumash. And uh, we invite you to join in the conversation. This is an I'm an African uh, feature where we have conversations about our continent uh, talking. I'm an African. What does that mean? What is our contribution? How much do we know about Africa? And uh, you can call us right now on 0891-104-207 as uh, we continue having this 
this conversation with Dr. Shingai Mutizwa Mangizwa, political scientist at the University of Western Cape's uh, political studies department, as we talk about uh, uh, African leadership and uh, the concerning age uh, that uh, over 70, uh, almost 70 percent of uh, the African states what needs to shift, what needs, uh, what is it that we need to do differently? Now, Doctor, I mean, most of these countries claim to um, have democracy, and that would mean uh, that these uh, leaders are democratically elected. What is it about us that don't want to let go of the old? Well, I think, um, it, as you mentioned uh, at the beginning, I think part of it has to do with our traditional notions mm. of uh, leadership here in Africa. Um, I think tradition, traditionally, uh, our our leaders have come from that group of uh, of elders. So, if you look at uh, most cultures uh, across the continent, uh, you'll find that usually they'd have what is either a council of elders. Yeah. Uh, in those societies, for instance, if there isn't uh, a single institution of the chief, and in those societies where you did have traditionally uh, a chief, you'd find that that individual would uh, by and large be an individual who was um, uh, more advanced in age. Now, the reasons for this were that uh, the traditional perception was that, um, you know, with age comes wisdom, uh, there comes experience, but also the idea that the, you know, the elderly within uh, African society or within African culture were also uh, repositories of memory, and they were also the guardians of uh, cultural knowledge. So from our traditional notions of, uh, of leadership um, emanate, from, emanate from there. So the idea that with age, uh, one acquires more experience, uh, they acquire wisdom, they'll also have accumulated... Uh, Struggle credentials uh, sometimes as well. ...portion of, uh, of wealth as well, that these would be the, the qualities that would define or that uh, would be adequate or, you know, for, for leadership. So I think that's the source, I think, largely where our veneration uh, for, for elderly leaders mm. comes from. Could guilt also be part of it where we feel it overly indebted um, to these people uh, who rescued and, and, you know, sacrificed so much for the liberation of a country? Yes, in fact, uh, a lot of it has to partly has to do with that. I think you'll find that in a lot of countries, um, there's always been this sort of mixed feelings uh, in regards to past leaders, in the sense that there is an admiration and a great respect for the role uh, that they played and the sacrifices that they endured, you know, in the processes of liberating uh, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, a case in point, just, which I cited earlier, would be again Zimbabwe, where, of course, they, you know, traditionally had been this view um, of Mugabe having been this liberator, you know, having sacrificed a lot, spent time in prison, uh, you know, and to that extent, again, and also to the extent that the the various, I suppose, um, you know, uh, developments, the positive contribution he made in the immediate years after independence particularly in the way of education and health, uh, there's still quite a lot of, uh, you know, um, veneration for that. And the fact that, you know, in some cases, you know, these countries are still, you know, are still relatively young. Uh, you know, a lot of these developments are still within living memory. So I think there's a, quite a bit of ambivalence 
partly on that, you know, uh, at that level, that not wanting to sort of, um, you know, to, not sort of wanting to kind of rock the boat, as it were. All but right. on the other hand, there's, as I said, I think uh, part of this ambivalence is also informed, again, by cultural understandings. You know, this idea that, uh, you know, um, you know, because our elders play such a prominent yeah. uh, role within our society, you know, um, you know, uh, at that level, and that there's a particular, you know, there's a particular social hierarchy, yeah. you know, that uh, that is all, that also emanates from that particular position, that it becomes quite difficult, you know, to sort of challenge, you mm. know, uh, as it were, you know, uh, leaders. Challenges are then interpreted as being, you know, either a sign of indiscipline. Uh, a sign of disobedience, you know, a deviation from established societal norms, and so it's, you know, you know, there's this sort of it's um it's a tension that I think actually um, is expressed within this clash between traditional values and modern modern values. Uh, if I may, if I may, kind of um, you know just sure. you know summarize it uh, very quickly. All right, let's uh, take calls um, right now. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven being the number to dial, and we also welcome your voice notes. Oh six one four one zero four one zero seven, and uh, we have Jules in Cape Town who has been holding for a while. Thank you so much for your patience. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dudu. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would like to. Hello. I'm I'm laughing because my name is Crisalda and the surname is Dudumashi. Ah, uh, sorry, Crisella. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I just want to make a quick comment. Eh? Sure. Mostly those those leaders. I'm from uh, Congo Brazzaville. Uh-huh. You'll see that guy is there in power. The first time he came in 1979. Mm. After mm. that, in the 90s, he went away. And after we got the uh, democracy started, day, he came back through a coup, always backed up by the French because the French colonized Congo Brazzaville. And he's there, we don't need him. And sure. you can see the level of corruption. No embassy in the world, Congolese embassy in the world, is able to even issue his own uh, people a, a simple passport, ordinary mm. passport. So we don't always uh, believe in them. That's why they did. No, there's a lot of corruption. And uh, mostly the, the, the backup there from the French people. They mm. are the ones that are deciding for us. So we, we don't really need them. And sure. we, we can't do nothing against that. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I guess, uh, you know, your vote becomes your voice. It's one thing to say we don't need them and come election time, uh, very few go back home to just exercise their right. Uh, good day, Dudu Mache. <laughs> and uh, I recently received a photo of an old man uh, who couldn't walk by himself. I was told that he is uh, an election candidate uh, for opposition party in Cameroon, and that's from Africa. Uh, his name is uh, President Paul Bia, who is 88 years old. Here's the news uh, headlines with Utsile Sako. 1 to 3 p.m. weekdays. Criselda on SAFM. Call Criselda now. 0891-104-207. All right, so we go to the lines now and take your calls. Uh, joining us on the line... Uh, it would have been great to end the conversation um, with uh, perhaps last words uh, of insight uh, from Dr. Shingai uh, Modizwa. If you can just uh, get him back, please. Uh, South African civil servants uh, have to retire at age 65. Why not state presidents? And that's from Nduli, uh, which is indeed a good question, uh, we ask. All right. Uh, um, uh, 
It's the caller that's gone. We still have uh, Dr. Shingai. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's a message uh, from our team. Uh, there's another um, input. African leaders, young people and women are in the majority in Africa and they neglect to use this uh, superiority in numbers uh, to their advantage and benefit, um, but push the status quo. And that's from CHAMP, which is just unfortunate because these are realities, uh, Dr. Shingai. Yes, that is true. Um, we do find that uh, when we do look at our populations, we find that the youth, and in particular our women, uh, constitute the majority, uh, demographically speaking. And yet uh, it is the this, this same group, uh, both women and, and the youth, who are politically disenfranchised and also uh, economically uh, disenfranchised. So it is uh, a rather unfortunate um, scenario. And um, this could partially be attributed, one, to what we could talk about, uh, the existence of inst- uh, structures of patriarchy. Yeah. Um, so I think part of the problem is we have, uh, we have a, a bit of a double-edged sword, rather, in the sense that we have the, you know, uh, much of Africa is... Uh, demarcated by, you know, patriarchal values. Mm. And so this notion that uh, the participation of women within public spaces, uh, particularly, you know, is still, uh, is still a bit of a challenge. You know, um, we are seeing, you know, increasingly um, in some societies, uh, you know, the, you know um, challenges for, for women, for instance, particularly to get access to particular economic um, economic assets, so if it's getting access to loans, getting sure. access, uh, you know, to credit and that sort of thing. And yeah. this would be true for the youth. Many of, um, many of the arguments leveled against them is in the sense that because they don't possess uh, economic assets, that in order for them to define themselves uh, or to, to advance uh, economically, you know, uh, that they must have some sort of access to, to property true, uh, true. and wealth. And yet uh, we find that um, when you look at our societies here in Africa, we find that by and large when you look particularly, uh, you know, in the commercial sector, uh, your directors, uh, your CEOs are largely people of a particular age, uh, probably uh, 50 and above, and they predominantly tend to be, to be male. So it is, it's, so it's a dynamic that is reflected not just within our politics, but I'll say... It's also something that's reflected even within um, other spheres, again, even Indeed. within the private sector. So it is, um, I think it is, it is a, you know, a very um, serious challenge, and I think it does need to, it does need very unique and innovative solutions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's also one of the challenges is when we raise issues, um, we never uh, get to engage on the issue. We want to not play the ball, play the man, um, so to speak. And that anybody that raises some of these um, alarming uh, factors that will then want to take a jab at them, uh, who then is is then the most appropriate person uh, to uh, raise these issues. Let's go back to the lines. Neil, you're joining us from Polukwane. Good afternoon. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Look, I want to go down to the to the roots hmm. and just in the South African sense. What a pity. We'll try and get you back. Uh, uh, let's go to Masiya in Zanin. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, 
Afternoon, how are you, man? I'm great, sir. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm well, well. Uh, I mean, I think uh, the reason why, especially in Africa, where we we have you know, you know uh, elderly, uh, uh, you know, leadership like Christians, and it's because you know when we grow up, when we go to school, we 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 are not engaged in political education. We only focus ourselves. You know, I want to grow up and become a lawyer. I want to become a doctor. I want to do this and that. I don't think there is no. I don't think there is enough political education in our education system. For example, uh, uh, if you go to Zim, the only thing that you encourage is to go to school and become a doctor and become a pilot and become a soldier and become all that things. And while this now politics is left to only to the elderly population. And another thing is the issue of intimidation. Uh, I grew up. I grew up, and you know, I was interested in politics. But the only thing that my father would tell me to say, "Son, I think you rather concentrate in education, grow up, become a doctor or an engineer or something, other than to be involved in politics, and they kill you. Mm. And and what, what, what do you stand to benefit? And then I have to choose the good thing. I now don't want to live. I don't want to die. Yeah. So I rather choose to go to education and become an engineer. And here I am. I'm an engineer. I've got a family, and I'm happy." That's what most people, young people now, you know, try to do. Because they politically, they always say politics is a dirty game. And mm. the hands, young people don't want to be involved in politics. I get you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's look at some of your tweets, Katle Ochomo, saying, as a member of society, I vote for a political party. Then the members and structures of the voted party are the ones who choose the leaders in our, on our behalf as non-political members. Uh, and, and that's a challenge, basically meaning that we don't have a choice uh, but to accept the party's decision especially when the focus is on the actual party, not the individuals. Semi Matlaila saying, very rich of Kofi Annan uh, to take jabs at African leaders. He failed as a general secretary of the UN, was continuously undermined by Western countries, uh, bombing Arab uh, countries. Being young doesn't equate to good leadership. Uh, Obama was the youngest in uh, U.S. president. Uh, he killed more people than Bush. Your response, Dr. Chingai? Yeah, I think, um, t- to be clear, I think um, what we can say is that um, it has to be, we have to look at it uh, in a context-specific uh, kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. For example, the, 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 when I mentioned the, the private sector, um, one of the things that you find is that there also tends to be a bit of a, an inverse sort of... Uh, sort of attitude in regards to the, the relationship between age and leadership. There, in the, within the private sector, there seems to be a particular appreciation of age uh, and experience and this notion that people who have uh, demonst- uh, you know, demonstrated uh, experience in particular and who have got a strong track record of service uh, tend to be the ones who um, are looked upon positively. Um, but having said that, um, it is true, again, even politically, that uh, age within itself, uh, youth within itself, uh, does not necessarily uh, always equate um, to good leadership. Um, I mean, I may have to disagree slightly with uh, the, 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 the listener there on, in regards to um, President Barack Obama. I think, you know, his position was a little more complicated uh, than we would like to appreciate. But... Um, 
having said that, one of the, the challenges is how do, you, uh, how do we actually get uh, more youthful leaders uh, at the forefront? And I think, it's, um, our, I think the biggest challenge is that we have looked, um, we have looked, we're trying to look too much uh, at particular, you know, at the, you know, at the political uh, within the political sphere, and I think one of the biggest challenges that we don't have, um, or rather, there's, uh, you know, we don't have too many programs that highlight, uh, you know, the the various uh, exploits mm-hmm. um, and you know positive contributions that young people are making, not just you know economically, but again also. Uh, within the social sector, I mean, within NGOs, I mean, we're seeing increasingly uh, some of these important NGOs, uh, young people from Africa who are emerging, uh, you know, into strong, uh, you know, positions. Sure. So, so I think to that extent, I mean, if we, you know, one of the things is I think um, maybe it's also, as I said, a, a case of awareness, I think, at that level. And uh, we lost uh, Diblo from Limbobo, but uh, there's a message uh, saying most African countries are still controlled by countries uh, that previously colonized uh, colonized them. African leaders who try to get rid of the Western influence in their countries are either killed or arrested. Um, And this is from Laurent uh, Gagbo from Ivory Coast is an example of them. Yes. Yes, um, there, there is uh, at a particular level there, there is this notion that there is uh, there is a, pe- a peril uh, for young aspiring uh, politicians who want to enter politics, and one of the challenges again, because we exist uh, or we live in a continent where there's still a very widespread uh, acceptance of having. Um, you know, an older generation, you know, in leadership positions, you know, there also tends to be this idea that uh, when younger leaders uh, put themselves forward, that, again, they are um, being, as I said, acting in a somewhat uh, being disobedient or being indisciplined. And uh, example, as he, has, as he has mentioned, you know, the example of, um, the example of, uh, of Cameroon, there's mm. also... Uh, examples which, uh, you know, we had, again, in, in Zimbabwe, for instance, where you had younger leaders sort of sign, trying to position themselves, also facing uh, intimidation, not just from the political class itself, but also uh, partly from, you know, uh, you know, from society at large. I think we also must take into account the fact that uh, across much of Africa, we're also talking about, uh, you know, largely rural uh, societies which are also uh, very conservative, you know, and the social and uh, political uh, and leadership structures uh, at that level are such that because you know uh, you know their immediate leaders, you know, whether it's the you know village headmen, uh, you know provincial leaders or district leaders, tend to be within a particular age grouping, you know, they you know they would expect naturally uh, to see. Uh, or even be more comfortable seeing, you know, all the leaders, uh, you know, in positions of political power. So I think that also, that factor, that dynamic also plays into it. So that's sure. uh, the other challenge that uh, young people face. But I think um, the only way to to address it is, one, I think if uh, young people continue, you know, continually, uh, you know, put themselves forward. And, you know, in spite of the intimidation, I think any any... 
challenge or any goal worth attaining will have its own uh, challenges and backdrops. But I think if um, there's, you know, if they continue to put themselves forward, and again, if we also try to present more, um, you know, broader images of younger people occupying leadership positions, you know, sure. uh, in in commerce, uh, also in other uh, positions in society, particularly whether it's um, you know, in the civil in the civil society sector, that will then begin to you know to to create within the uh, broader uh, national consciousness, in or essence, public consciousness rather of the of the continent. You know, this idea that um, having younger leaders is not really anathema to yeah. progress and to you know uh, good management. There you go. In essence, just give young leaders a chance um, to help lead. Um, perhaps things might change for better. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Dr. Shingai Mutizwa Mangiza, who is a political scientist at the University of Western Cape's uh, Political Studies Department. Uh, we have a, a new feature where we're going to be profiling NGOs in our space. NGOs who are doing great work. Um, and, and this is, you know, drawing strength uh, once again into the Tumamina spirit. And we are going to be looking at uh, the women's zone, uh, what this does. And uh, we're going to be speaking to one of our own, Nancy Richards. Uh, but right now, let's uh, give us power by Sarafina. Enjoy.